Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. Now, y'all know I don't very often bring someone on to this show that I don't personally know or haven't seen speak or something like that. And occasionally we get those cold pitches and they make it through our team because of how relevant they are for you. And this is one of those. I'm excited to introduce to you and really meet along with you for the first time, a gentleman named Eric DeHaan. And Eric is the co-founder and CEO of a company called Open Influence. And he's a graduate from Pepperdine University. And I'll tell you what they do in just a second. But he was on the Forbes 30 under 30 list in 2017. And his company's clients include people like Disney, Google, Amazon, Facebook, Intuit, Unilever, P&G, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, L'Oreal, Under Armour, and a whole bunch others. And so what he does is he's basically an ad agency. Now, his client is the company. But what Open Influence does is they source influencers to help place ad spend to help their clients accomplish their advertising goals. So he's looking for people like you probably that are listening to say, who has the audience that my client is trying to reach and helps to identify them, contact them, negotiate the deal, create the strategy and just kind of oversee the whole campaign so that his clients spend their advertising dollars well through influencer marketing. So with that, Eric, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Is that a pretty accurate description of what y'all do? I could not have said it better myself. You nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, awesome. So that is so great. I'm so excited about it because I feel like this is coming up a lot for our clients. You know, some of our clients have really explosive growth where they'll, you know, like, I think of one of our clients who went from zero to half a million followers on TikTok within 60 days. And now all of a sudden she is like in this world of brand deals and trying to navigate it. And so I guess what I would love, like if I put my influencer, if I put myself in the shoe of the influencer, what I really want to know is what do I need to know to help your clients be successful? What are you looking for you know, when you identify influencers, kind of how do you go about it? And, you know, let's just start with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like you mentioned, we represent the advertisers. And when we start off the process, it's really all about finding the right influencer for that campaign. 
And, you know, typically we'll work with, you know, dozens to sometimes even hundreds of influencers on a given project. But we use data first and foremost to really find out who's the right match. And so we look at, you know, we look at things like follower size, we look at audience metrics, we'll look at impression rates as well, but also like just what do you talk about and how does your audience engage, which is really the first and foremost, most important thing is when we're working with a brand, we want to find influencers and creators that you know, really just have an audience that will be very receptive to that kind of messaging, to that kind of branded content. Uh, and so we're looking at things like past sponsorships. We're looking at how your audience reacts to different subjects and different pieces of content. And so uh, if you're an influencer, for example, we're running your videos and images through image recognition. We're seeing what's actually in the content itself. We're looking at keywords that you may be using, such as hashtags or mentions. We're looking at free form text. And all this comes together to let us know, you know, how does your audience react when you talk about a certain thing? Do they engage and lean forward or do they kind of tune out? And one example could be like, you might describe yourself as a fitness influencer. But, you know, when you talk about yoga, your audience doesn't really engage. But when you talk about boxing, they really engage and lean forward and they, and they really engage in that kind of content. And that tells us you're going to be a much better match for a brand looking to talk about boxing, maybe like an Everlast, as opposed to an aloe yoga or Lululemon. And so, you know, that's sort of first and foremost, just really looking at the data and understanding that. And then in terms of what can influencers do or creators okay, so do to make... So hold on yeah. for a second. So I want to stick on the data because we're huge data people and we love data dashboards and we love doing studies and all. So how the heck do you know my audience metrics? Like clearly you can tell audience size, but how do you know whether or not they're engaging and what the impressions are? Like, how do you see that as an outsider? Yeah. So some data we can't get as an outsider and we only get once we start working with influencers, but we work with thousands of influencers a month. And so that gives us access to more of those lower funnel metrics. But at a high level, you know, we're pulling a lot of data from a lot of different sources, from a lot of different platforms. We're marrying that with other data that we get from different data providers. And really most importantly, most basically, you know, you post a picture on the beach, we're looking at how your audience is you know, engaging. How are they liking that? Are they commenting? What are they commenting? So we're taking all that public information and we're putting that side by side. So we can say, you know, when Rory posts about, you know, going surfing, his content does really, really well. His audience really engages on average, as opposed to when he talks about cooking, right? And so, you know, and so these are just random examples, but which is not very often at, that Rory Vaden talks about cooking. I mean, let's be honest. Outside of like <laughs> Geez, I'm not I'm not adding much value to the community there. Well, you know, and maybe it could be entertaining if you do start talking about cooking, you know. I'm a terrible chef, but my girlfriend gets a laugh out of me trying to cook. So <laughs> so clearly there's something entertaining there. So you're what you're saying that you've got data sources like these kind of like aggregators or whatever, you're pulling those in, you know, to your company. And then at some point when you research, you literally just go to the person's profile and like look and see, do they have comments? Do they have lots of likes and views and saves? Well, I guess you can't see saves, but is that what you're saying? Like part of it is just looking at their profile? 
Well, actually a lot more sophisticated than that. So we're pulling information directly from the platforms. We're pulling information that's publicly available on the web. We're then marrying that with, with other data sources that we might be able to pull. And we're, you know, we built a proprietary system that's bringing this all in. And so rather than someone just looking at your profile and saying, oh, here's what you tend to post about, we're running this through our machine learning and AI, and we have hundreds of millions of posts that we're analyzing. And so I could actually look and say, here are all the different keywords you talk about. Here are all the different, you know, here's how many times you had a wine bottle included in one of your posts. Here's the average performance when you do it. Here's how you perform. You know, here's how your audience engages when you do sponsored content versus not sponsored content. Here are the 20 brands you mentioned in the past 180 days. So we can get really in depth with that. And then we could use that to surface. So I could say, I want to find an influencer. Um, you know, coming back to the yoga example, I want to find an influencer that performs really well with their audience when they talk about yoga on YouTube and Instagram. And I could type that in. I'll find the people. I could sort that by engagement rate. I could sort that by number of posts. If we have the data, we can look at impression rate and, you know, our video views. And then we could say, okay, here are the people that are going to perform the best. And these might not be the people that are, you know, when you think about yoga, they're not maybe the first names that come to mind. But these are the people who have a lot of influence in that category that you're not necessarily thinking of as a brand. Interesting. So do you ever furnish that kind of data back to the influencers or only when you contact them and say, hey, did you know that when you post about boxing, it's like some of you, you know, your engagement rate is super high or is that not really that you're just, you really only bring it up when you get into actively kind of, you know, I guess recruiting an influencer for a campaign? Yeah. So it's funny, actually, we like all that data is pretty much brand facing. Like we don't, we're not necessarily going back to the influencers, giving them reports on their own accounts or on what we're finding. You know, we're definitely letting them know like, hey, you know, we're working with you because of these different things or, you know, here's why we're engaging with you or, you know, but, you know, one of the things we kind of talked about is like we're sitting on this mountain of information and it's been pretty much exclusively used to be brand facing. We said, you know, maybe there's something we can do that's influencer facing as well. So we're playing around with some ideas now, but, you know, whether it be to help influencers, you know, proactively find the right brands to partner with or just right. see what different brands are doing. Are there similar influencers that a brand's working with to them, which could be a good signal to say, okay, I should reach out to that brand. I could be a good match. So these are sort of the ideas we're playing with. But to be honest, we haven't really delved into that too much yet. Yeah. Well, that, you know, that is interesting as a business idea because it's like, you know, I think well, there's a thousand Fortune 1000 brands, but there's you know, two billion people all trying to figure out what does their audience respond to, which is like the part that you really figured out. So it'd be interesting to see if that flips at some point to where you offer that. But so then, so now let's talk about, so that's really cool. So you've got some different data sources you're pulling from, you're aggregating it in your own tool and you're basically going, okay, Everlast hired us to do a campaign. We need to find all the people who have audiences that respond when it comes to boxing, you plug that in. And then if I am an influencer, do I just randomly get a message one day from, you know, Eric or someone on your team at Open Influence that says, hey, we're doing a campaign for Everlast. You've been identified as someone an influencer in this area. Like, is that how it works? Yeah, yeah, correct. So we, in our network, you know, we have a lot of influencers that we've worked with before. And yeah, if you're a new influencer, someone from our account management team 
We'll shoot you a note outlining the opportunity. That part is automated in our system, actually. So, you know, account manager would say, okay, you're a good fit based on the data. I'm going to add you. A reach out will go out. And then from there, we'll, you know, we'll negotiate a rate and uh, the terms of the deal. And, you know, we're, you know, we've gone this down to a science where we know, you know, we essentially know what to ask for and what to outline and, and also eliminate surprises on both sides. Because for us, you know, we want to avoid reshoots. We want to avoid surprises. This is definitely a business where you want to be very, very clear. And so, yeah, so essentially when we reach out, we outline the full scope of work for that influencer and, you know, they're able to, you know, to say yes or no. And we're not a talent agency. So, you know, we're not asking to represent you. We're not asking for any exclusivity. It's just like, hey, here's a deal. If you want to do it, great. And if not, oh, well. And does that usually happen like through a DM or something? I mean, are you scraping their emails somehow offline or is it like, hey, it's most likely that it's going to show up in my DMs because your software scraped that information and then followed me and then automatically sent me a message to say, hey, we think you're a candidate for this campaign? Yeah, typically it's through email, right? We're, you know, a lot of, almost every influencer has some sort of contact detail, whether it's on their Instagram account or their YouTube account or on their own website or blog. And so, you know, that information's there and, and we just send them an inquiry to that, you know, essentially to that information provided. And, you know, and if they choose, they could provide us with the ability to contact them through text message as well. But, you know, initial reach out is always done through email. Okay. All right. So I'm just, you know, I'm trying to help people identify if they get one of these, like, how do you vet as an influencer? How do you vet the legitimate ones from the, the, you know, the scammy ones? But before we do that, tell me what your, so I get the engagement. Well, I guess here's the specific question. How much does followers matter? Like how many followers do I need to have before I might get one of these opportunities? Do I need to have millions, hundreds of thousands, 10,000, 50,000? Like how does that factor in here? Yeah, yeah. So I think from a from just a visibility and kind of vanity standpoint, I think when you start looking at like twenty to thirty thousand, it starts to become interesting. You know, it really depends on what your niche is as an influencer as well and what you're talking about. So like you're talking about something really specialized or you're doing something really unique like stop motion animation, having a huge following is not really as important. If someone's looking to access that niche, they're going to come to you because, you know, you're an expert in in that. You know, if you're talking about teen fashion, you know, there are people with hundreds of thousands to millions of followers in that category. So you really have to look at it from the lens of supply and demand. But yeah, I would say the 20 to 30,000 is a range. Now from an advertiser standpoint, follower size doesn't really matter at all. What really matters are how many impressions you're getting, what kind of click-throughs are you getting, can you really drive and move your audience? And, you know, sometimes that process is hit or miss where, you know, you might think your audience will be a good fit for a certain product, but they end up not being or, you know, or a product you thought they wouldn't be a good fit for ends up, you know, you end up converting really well with. So it just really depends. But, you know, I I think the key is to really just look at how many people are actually consuming that content and legitimately engaging with it as opposed to just looking at follower count because that could easily lead you to optimize for the wrong sort of things. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So it's interesting you bring up the impressions where it's like at the end of the day, an advertiser is paying either for impressions or some type of a conversion. So 
It's yep. like they don't really care how many followers you have, but the number of impressions and conversions you drive is going to be related to, you know, to the number of followers you have and what your audience is interested in. So talk to me about the money for a second. Like, you know, you hear stories of, you know, people making $50,000, $100,000, millions of dollars, but realistically, like what's the real world on this and what's a baseline and you go, you know, the other thing that I hear a lot is it's like influencers, a lot of influencers end up doing deals for just like merchandise or product, right? And so they're getting free and they're not getting any money and they're missing out on realizing, oh, actually my audience is worth something. How do you kind of like cost justify? How does the brand cost justify? Is there like a, you know, any type of a rough standard or baseline you're looking for? Yeah, so there are a lot of variables involved with it, right? So you have to look at one, like, the influencer size and just the amount of impressions they get. You have to look at the market that they talk to and the audience they have. So, you know, if you're looking for like, again, like teen fashion versus like if you're looking at like something like high performance mountain biking equipment, you know, an influencer in that category can definitely command a premium because they're so specialized. The um, niche you have to look ones, at the platform. You're saying like the niche ones command a premium because of supply and demand. There's not a million people talking about high performance mountain biking equipment. Exactly, and they're really focused so they could really convert. And so brands know that if they want to engage with influencers, these are the ones that are really right to talking to that audience. And so, and then you have to look at like platforms, content formats, usage rights, exclusivity scope. So there are a lot of different factors to consider and then also like bundling it, like it's very rare that, you know, you'll just pay an influencer for a one-off post. Typically, you know, these are more involved activations. And so, and it just depends. Now, what we've seen is it's actually very rare in our world to have, you know, working with the brands we work with to have those engagements just be like for merchandise or free. I guess the trade-off is it works when you're work as a brand working with micro-influencers, but the trade-off there is you know those influencers are a favor for you right they can't pay their bills with merchandise like right. it's nice but you lose the ability as an advertiser to really you know essentially set a schedule set the terms outline what you want from a content perspective you can't really dictate and say hey i want the post to go live on tuesday at 2 p.m you know you're not paying for that post you're not paying that influencer they're doing a favor for you and so you know it ends up just not making a whole lot of sense when you're an influencer, you might do that because you have a relationship with the brand or someone, but ultimately, you know, this is definitely a paid model. You know, brands are going to want to hedge, you know, from our experience, like some brands want to pay influencers on the back end of the deal with like some sort of rev share. But, you know, that, you know, a lot of influencers aren't really receptive to that because they've gotten burnt with small brands and like, you know, like startups just, you know, kind of, not having a their business model figured out to where they're not able to drive conversions. And so, so typically, uh, you know, I think there's some upfront amount, what those dollar amounts look like can change, but you know, you can look at, you know, thousand dollars, couple thousand dollars to tens of thousands of dollars, depending on the influencer size and the activation type. And also, you know, how good of a fit you are for that given brand. Yeah. So if you, you know, let's say if you're, you got, 30,000 followers and maybe you are a fitness person and it's like, Hey, there's a yoga campaign and they want you to do, you know, like for a $5,000, let's say like a $5,000 deal. How many posts is that usually? Is it brand typically going to be looking for like three posts, five posts, 20 posts? 
I mean, I'm sure the larger the fee, obviously, the more posts they want and the more control they want and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, look, they could be looking for three to five. Um, you know, they'll look at like some stories typically because stories are sort of your your most transactional and cheapest form of a post, right? If it's, you know, TikTok is a little bit of the Wild West right now. It's pretty new. So, you know, that's a little bit all over the map. If it's on YouTube, that might be part of it, right? Where you like saying, okay, I, you know, 30,000 followers or 30,000 subscribers, you know, from a story standpoint might not be a lot, but if I'm creating a YouTube video that's really focused and it's a dedicated video, then a bulk of whatever fee I'm charging will go towards that. And then brands will run the assessment and say, okay, well, if you're working like a DD brand, they're going to look and see how that converted, right? If you're a smaller influencer, you're going to tend to fall in the realm of more direct to consumer type businesses that are looking for like a direct response to whatever you're doing. And so they're going to look at that and say, okay, well, we generated X amount of sales from that post. You know, they might not break even, but they might be really happy with that because they understand that, you know, as an influencer, one part of it's branding and, you know, prospecting a new audience and the other part is converting. Uh-huh. If you're dealing with a real, you know, brand deal kind of a thing, do you typically deal in almost like kind of like a set type of cost per impression where if you show up and you come to me, you basically have a budget in mind because you have the data and you go, okay, I think if Rory runs a post with a surfboard, we're going to get about this many impressions. And I know my client's willing to pay on average around you know this much for a CPM or whatever. And so you kind of have a number that you're coming to me with to say, hey, Rory, this is what we feel like we want you to do for this many posts. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. so like we... You know, and we have a pricing model based on, you know, tens of thousands of transactions per year that we run. And so, you know, we're looking at that and we're saying, okay, like based on all these metrics, here's what we're, you know, willing to pay for based on all these different variables. And, you know, and we know this is competitive. And we also look at it and say, look, if everyone's saying yes, you know, then it probably means we're high. And if everyone's saying no, it probably means we're too low, right? So, you know, we want to find a rate that's competitive for the advertiser you know, our, our clients, but, you know, makes sense for the talent as well. Interesting stuff. It's so interesting, Eric, just that, you know, this kind of, I mean, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, this was like only available to the biggest media companies in the world. And now it's just like, this is becoming an everyday occurrence for anybody with any, you know, kind of reasonable following. Like if you've been dedicated to building an audience for a few years, yeah, you know, you're gonna you're probably gonna be in this space, you know, if you're doing it well and you're doing it consistently. I think it's fascinating stuff. Is there anything that you would say? This is kind of like a last question. In terms of mistakes that you see, let's say that influencers making consistently that either kind of ruin their reputation or immediately kind of like throw them out of your pool to either where you would never contact them, or you know, they say something to you early on and you go, I definitely know. I mean, this person's not a fit. I mean, obviously if they're a total jerk, but like beyond that, are there any kind of like red flags or common mistakes you see that you go, man, this influencer just lost five grand because they didn't do blank? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, the metrics are the metrics, right? So we, like, we know that up front. We don't get hung up on that. What tends to really, you know, kind of screw up a relationship would be things like just, you know, being unreliable and unprofessional, changing scope midway through as an influencer or like, you know, not following through, you know, or just in general being difficult to work with. Like ultimately, 
you know, this is a people's business, you know, working on a piece of content together and it's collaborative and someone that's going to be combative and difficult and unreliable will just automatically, you know, get put on our do not use list or do not work with list. And we have a whole system internally for rating influencers and on things like from responsiveness to professionalism. So, you know, I, I really think, you know, going into it as an influencer with the right attitude, really treating the brands you're working with, whether it's us or a brand directly as your partner, right? And as a customer, that's really what goes the longest way because ultimately brands and agencies want to work with people that they can trust and that they enjoy working with because they know that, you know, they can come to something reasonable and that's going to make sense. But, you know, no one wants to work with someone that's going to be difficult to throw a tantrum or not follow through. I love it. Really good stuff, Eric. I think it's fascinating, you know, just your business, even the existence of your business. Again, I think you're, I mean, you guys have done a lot. You've got a great thing going on openinfluence.com. We'll link up to that, of course, in the show notes. And y'all can see, you know, just a really interesting space, something that, again, didn't, we wouldn't have existed as an opportunity even maybe a few years ago. And it seems like you guys are early to the space and you've got some big brands on your roster and you're doing great stuff. Is there anything that you, uh, anywhere else that you want to point people to if they want to like connect up with you or learn more about what you guys are up to? Yeah, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So you could just follow me there and connect with me there. And uh, same with, you know, Open Influence. We have a great content marketing team that's pumping out, you know, latest trends and insights and white papers on the influencer industry. So, you know, you can follow us on LinkedIn or sign up for our newsletter on our website and, you know, stay tuned with everything, especially from a brand perspective. Love it. Eric DeHaan is his name, Open Influence, y'all. Hopefully you have learned a lot. I know I certainly have. Eric, thank you for being here, man. We wish you the best. Awesome. Thanks, Rory. Appreciate it. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free lifetime access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we will get you set up with free lifetime access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation.